You're not your job. You're not your title. Our identity is in him. But I believe he wants us to truly see ourselves as a son or a daughter. When you start to see how much he loves you, how he already sees you, you don't have to perform. You can do things from your identity, not for an identity. And that right. changes the game and everything. That identity is who you are, not what you're performing to be. Helping believers in Jesus Christ shine as bright lights in a dark world. Helping everyday Christians succeed in evangelism, ministry, and the Christian life. From the northeast corner of the United States of America. This is the Morningstar Bright Lights Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Morningstar Bright Lights Podcast. This is Corrine James, your host. And today our guest is Tim. He is the prayer coordinator at our church. He is a dad to Ellie and a husband to Ramona. So thank you so much for being here, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about our identity in Christ. But first, we're going to get to know Tim a little bit more. I currently live in Sutton, recently just moved from Dudley. We built a house in Sutton, Massachusetts, been married to my wife 19 years. We got married in 2004. It's coming up on 20 in August. Looks like I'm 10 years ahead of you. Just saying. Uh-huh. 29. I'll we'll get I, there. I'll see what I can do about yeah. it. Yeah, we have a, an 11-year-old daughter, Eliana. We call her Ellie, who's our, our beautiful miracle baby. I guess I want to know a little bit about where you grew up, what was your family like, and how did you end up here? I grew up in South Jersey, right outside of the Camden area, if you're familiar with that area. Small little town called Magnolia that nobody's ever heard of, so I usually tell people I grew up right outside of Camden. My dad was a state trooper. He was also in the Air National Guard, so he kind of had both roles. He retired after like 27 years. My mom was mostly a stay-at-home mom, but she used to do like teacher's aid type roles or work in the school system, but she always wanted to make sure she was home for me and my brother. I do have an older brother, Mike. He's in graphic design, went to University of Arts in Philadelphia. Very different than me. I was sports and that kind of thing. After high school, I graduated and went off to college. I went to the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. The Naval Academy is a little interesting. My degree is in computer science. I actually have a Bachelor of Science science and computer science because you take physics and electrical engineering and all that stuff. Your degree almost has nothing to do with what you do in the Navy. You take some basic engineering courses and then you have a major. So you could be an English major with an engineering degree. So I did that, graduated four years with a bachelor of science degree, coming out of the Naval Academy, commissioned as a Naval officer. I went in the Navy, was a commissioned officer for six years, did three deployments on a surface warfare ship, three deployments in three years, coming out of my sea duty, which is like you're in and out of port all the time. I was actually deployed during September 11th, which is a whole longer story. I did not know about that. Yeah. So uh, you were active duty during a war. Yeah. I met my first ship on deployment in 99, 2000, somewhere around there. I did a three or four month deployment of a six month deployment. So we deployed for six months and I met the ship in the middle of their deployment. Came back, did a bunch of workups on the ship in and out of port, and then we deployed again. We left Norfolk, Virginia on deployment about June of 2001. And then in August of 2001, I was in the Gulf and I was actually a boarding officer. So I'd board merchant ships and look for contraband and stowaways and a whole thing. Oh my gosh, that's huge. Yeah, and then we were doing boardings August of 2001, September of 2001, September 8th, 9th, 10th, September 11th, September 12th, and on and on. And then we left the Gulf because September 11th happened and we went to the North Arabian Sea and did a bunch of stuff into Afghanistan. Finished that deployment, went to a new ship, deployed again. I'm just going to ask you real quick. Please. So how did that make you feel being out there 
on September 11th. It was definitely a crazy time because you're on deployment overseas and things are happening back here in the States. And like I said, my family was in New Jersey. My dad was a state trooper. He was an Air National Guard. My brother could see the smoke from the towers from his office in Perth Amble. I was more worried about them. You know, Mm -hmm. there was actually a time where all communications to the ship were shut off. So you couldn't communicate with anybody. But because I was an officer, I, I could. And I could email my mother and say, can you find out these seven people? Call these families. Their sons and daughters are on my ship. Can you just make sure they're okay? So my mom's like calling people that she doesn't know to find. You know what, though? That's a blessing. Oh, yeah. That you had that rank and were able to connect people. Yeah, it was definitely a crazy time. Obviously, it was crazy for everyone being deployed at the time and doing all that stuff. So, yeah. Did you come to know the Lord? Did you brought up in a family of believers? Yes. I've known the Lord my entire life. There was, there was never a time I can remember not being a Christ follower. Definitely matured over time. I like to say at 13 is where I got baptized at 13. It was my choice. My mom was adamant. I'm not going to make you do this. When you're ready, you will be baptized. You know, you tell me and we'll, we'll right. make it happen. So 13 is kind of where I say that's where I truly owned it. I was a believer ever since I can remember. I knew the Lord, what I like to call a basic faith. I knew about Jesus, knew about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I couldn't tell you how Abraham related to Moses, to David. I, I didn't right. know any of that. Kind of like a head knowledge at that point and you hadn't really received? No, I mean, I, like I guess it was more heart knowledge than anything. Okay. You can't tell me there's not a God. You can't tell okay. me there's not someone that's up there. I knew Jesus was my personal Savior. Those were words. He's my personal Savior. Mm. Like I've chosen... I am saved, but I couldn't tell you the theology. Gotcha. So opposite. That's interesting because I get some people who are brought up in the church who have that head knowledge, but haven't really understood God fully for themselves. And you're the opposite. Right. I knew Jesus died on the cross. I knew all that history and theology, all the Greek words. Couldn't tell you any of that. I just knew Jesus Christ, son of God, died for me, born of a virgin. But at 13 is where I was like, yes, this is, this is mine. This isn't my mom's, right? My mom was probably the biggest mover of my faith. She was the one that's like, we're going to go to church. We're going to pray about that. We're going to do all this stuff pretty much my whole life. There were definitely times in my journey, especially in that later teenage years. I I, I like to call it, I took my salvation for granted. Mm. Never stopped believing, never mm-hmm. stopped praying, never stopped all that stuff. But I definitely was like, eh, I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness later on that. Right. One, right. And that seems to be the normal trajectory of people who have brought up in the church. They kind of go off a little bit. They know the Lord. I just feel like people just need to do their growing. I was in the Navy, so it was like there wasn't a home church to speak of in my time because I was always out to sea. I go to church, but I don't know anybody there. I don't have like a community. It's just like, oh, I'm here. I'm here for a couple of weeks and then I'm gone and I'm back. So you met your wife in the Navy. Yes. Yes. So you both came out at the same time and then got married? No. So we met in the Navy. She went to the Naval Academy also. Didn't know her there. Okay. Didn't know her. She was a year behind me. We met, didn't like each other at first, which is, that's that's a whole, like, cannot stand each other. Then we kind of became friends and then started dating, got married while we were still in the Navy. And then it was kind of like part of the understanding, I'll say, that we're going to get married. We're not going to stay in the Navy because we can't both be deploying and you know, all that kind of stuff. We're not moving back to New Jersey. You're not going to be a cop because my dad was a state trooper, right? So so that was kind of like Wait, the, She was saying you weren't going to be yeah, a cop? She was oh, like, okay. we're not moving back to New Jersey. You're not going to be a cop. We're both getting out of the Navy. So oh, okay. I was, like, I was like, good. When we were getting out, we went to a ton of hiring conferences because it was like, hey, military, let's take your resume, translate it into like civilian speak. Yeah. We went to a placement company that helped vets find jobs. Okay. But here was the deal. We were both getting out. So she might have a job 
offer in Chicago and I had one in Florida. And okay. Like we were all over the place. The company I work for now, the utility, wanted to hire both of us. So we're like, easy. Yeah. I guess we're moving to Massachusetts. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Well, we're, we're glad you're here yeah. in Massachusetts. We're glad to have you. We're going to be talking about our identity in Christ. So that's going to be our focus. Can you tell me or explain to our listeners what that means? What does our identity in Christ mean? The reason I love this topic so much is because, you know, as I go, whether it's as the prayer director, whether it's leading small groups, I see people struggle with their identity as a child of God, not just a Christ follower. That identity is who you are, not what you're performing to be. That's going to be interesting for guys because I think you men more often, I think, take their identity in their work. I'm not saying that women can't. Well, women probably take their identity more in mothering. Pick a thing. You're not your job. You're not your title. Right. You're not your horoscope. Our identity is in him. What he wants for us, what I believe he wants for us is to, to truly see ourselves as a son or a daughter. Not if you mess up, you're out. If you don't do something right, I don't want anything to do with you. I mean, when you think about like a really, really good dad, which our Heavenly Father is better than we could ever imagine. Right. I think a lot of people come into Christianity with a skewed view of what a dad is. Right. So I think a, a lot of the identity, you have to do some work maybe. 100%. And seeing who God really is. For me, when I first got saved, I never thought of him as my dad. I thought of him as my father because I didn't have one. Through my journey, it was like God taking those different places. So when I got saved, it was like, wow, I have a father. I have a father that's never going to leave. I have a father who knows all my stuff and loves me anyway. Later on is when... I found out more of dad, but just those different names, friend, savior, healer, right? all of those. And I think that's part of the challenge and or the journey is depending on your earthly father experience, how could this God that supposedly loves me truly love me when the person I see standing in front of me, whether they're abusive or they were absent or I never even met them. Right. How does that even make sense? Mm-hmm. When you start to see how much he loves you and how he already sees you, right? You don't have to perform. Right. You can do things from your identity, not for an identity. Right. And that right. changes the game and everything. I don't have to be the best X, Y, Z because I'm a child of the king. Like the God of the universe sees me intimately and loves me, mm-hmm. not because I did well or didn't do well. Because yeah. yeah, no. And I think when you first become saved, he's washing you clean of all of that and you're starting new. So just receiving that. I don't have to be anything but his daughter. Right. Your human experience, whether you had great parents or not, in most of our experience in this natural reality, it's very transactional. If you do well, you usually get something. If you don't, then this. And mm. if you, you always come up short or you always have to overperform, like you're always kind of in this in one minute out the next when we look at our relationship with the lord if we look at through it through that lens we're either trying to stay in good graces or we're afraid to come to him because we've right you don't know what i've done oh and we hear that so often oh my gosh if i ever walk through the church it's gonna burn down and right. i'm like do you not know that everybody in there is sick and we needed a healer and we continually do because even as Christians we mess up and just to know he's a safe place to go to all the time he's the first person to go to if something's happening and even if you sin he's the first one to go to and you don't have to be afraid 
Right. And I think that's where the daddy comes in, knowing that the part that he showed me, the second part of him being my dad, was the safety. It's in Psalms 91. I'll read it. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And that's when my identity, I'm his daughter or his little girl, mm. and he was my dad. That's when that came. It was different, in different stages of my walk. Right. Like if you, again, you know, I, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but if you look at my daughter, Ellie, when she does something that isn't pleasing or is just wrong, or when I correct her, the first thing she wants to do is hug me and sit on my lap. She wants to know, daddy still love. I'm like, of course, right? Like, and I, she's messed up and she said, you know, and I, I told her, you were not defined by that, right. right? We all have bad days. We all mess up. We all, right? Your identity is my child. Right. No and that's what. never going to change. Never, right? Again, it's a journey too. I'm not like saying, I figured it out. I'm just saying, when we start to understand what our identity is in him, it's like when you're, when you give your kid a present, you want them to receive it, not to go, well, what do I have to do? Right. right. Well, you had to have a really clear vision of who you are in Christ to be able to be that for your daughter. Because the first thing we see is our dad. It's the first version, in quotes, of what God would look like. Yeah. If that's messed up, then how we see God is messed up. And we have to realize that that's human. Right. You can't get mad at God for a human dad or a human mom or a human whomever. It's not God. God's perfect. So I think that's awesome to hear you receive that fully of who you are in Christ as a dad, that you can pass that down to your daughter and she can automatically look at you as a safe place. And don't we all need to hear that? about our father. Like, yeah. I'm going to screw up, but I don't have to worry about walking in those church doors because it's not going to go up in flames. I'm going in there and God's like, come on. I know. Come on. Right. I think part of the challenge as you start to navigate that there's danger or whatever you want to call it where, oh, well, God just accepts everything. Like, there's no standard. He's like, well, there, there's a difference between loving you regardless and condoning behavior, right? Like, there Amen. are consequences oh, yeah. for actions. There's all those kind of things. Absolutely. But it doesn't change who you are. Right. It's like, I love you, but I don't like what you're doing. Right. It's as simple as that. Right. right. That's not the best for you, but I'm still going to love you and I'm still here. But that doesn't change our relationship as to, I'm your father, you're my daughter. I'm your father, you're my son. Right. There's still expectations. There's still a standard. There's still God's way. And he doesn't have opinions. It's the right thing, right? But I think when we are struggling with who we are, we look at our shortcoming as an identity or our success as an identity versus none of that matters. You are a son or a daughter. So you can come to him in your pain, in your shortcomings, in your weakness, in your successes. Is there a time in your life the Lord really showed that to you personally? Yes, but I think it was, he showed me how much I didn't know about it. It was one of those moments, because again, right, I, I grew up, I knew the Lord, but couldn't really tell you scripture verses and all that. In that not knowing, call it the word, and I think we all do this, and I still do it. I know enough now to be like, I should probably check that. But there are things that we assume about the Lord, some good some not so good based off of someone else's experience or what somebody said in a book or someone even from a podium, right? Yeah. From a platform that, is that even in the Bible? Mm -hmm. But you, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Right. That creates a theology in you that, oh, I heard my dad say that, or my mom mentioned that, or when I was a little kid, these two adults were talking. And that's where you get things like, I guess sometimes God gives you cancer to test you. Right. Right? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> Not how it works. But those are the things yeah. that happen. And mm. so I had this image of God who is really good, but sometimes he kind of does some stuff. So you had to take some of those things and unpack them. Right. There's probably, I can count on one hand the number of times that I heard the voice of God. 
Cause usually it's more of an impression and I got to pray about that. Mm -hmm. But like when I, it was clear and I was like, Oh, it was a really good dad, but it was like, Oh, I really don't know what I'm talking about. Do you want to explain that a sure, little bit? Sure. My wife and I had been trying to get pregnant and had some serious challenges in that area. And in my head, Hey, you're God. Why are you allowing this to happen? Mm -hmm. That's where my head was, but I'm a good Christian. I'm up in my bedroom and I'm praying and I'm praying all the all the things I believe a good Christian should be praying, God, you're amazing. In the back of my mind, like the elephant in the room was, I was angry. Angry. Like, how could you let this happen? All this kind of stuff. And I'm, God, you're amazing. You can, you can do all things and your ways are higher than my ways. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. And I heard clearly, again, it wasn't audible, but I felt it like deep in my teeth. And he, he simply said, you have something you need to get off your chest. And all this religion popped up in me. Wow. Like, how do I tell God I'm mad at him? How do I blame him? I, like, oh my God. And then I heard this, go ahead, I can take it. And I let him have it. I believed you my whole life, da, 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 da. What about this and this person and how come and all this kind of stuff. And then I was like exhausted. I was out of breath. Yeah. And I'm saying all this stuff out loud, like oh, yeah. angry. And very quietly, very peacefully said, are you done? I went, I think so. Like I, I showed you that re yeah. rebellious teenager that's yeah. going to tell it, right? So and now then, what are you going to say? And then he said, where in my word did I say this would never happen? And I had no clue. I was like, but you're God and I pray you do. That's how it works. And he said, go find out and then we can have a conversation. And that was the moment I was like, I don't know anything about what this. I think I know. Right. And that set me on a path where I wanted to know. You know, it's almost like finding the shoebox, put it like your dad put it away. You're like, I didn't know you ran track and right. I didn't know this. It's like, I know you, but I didn't know any of this stuff. Right. And that just kind of put me on this, what else don't I know? Oh, I love and, that. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. He doesn't hide things from you. He hides things for you, like an Easter egg hunt. Okay. When you're when you're two years old, you put the egg right where everybody can see it, and then the kid goes over and finds it. But as you get older, you start hiding it under pillows and all this kind of stuff. He wants you to engage him. He wants you to find out more. Like, he's not keeping it from us. Because sometimes yeah. I think he we think he's keeping things from us because you can never handle it. No. Are you willing to search it out? Are you willing to spend the time? And that's where the relationship grows. Because oh, I, I remember when I got saved, it was just this fire to know him. I can't really memorize scripture. I hate that I can't. Being in the word every day, the first thing I would do was, Lord, I know you're going to speak to me today. I am open and I'm ready to receive whatever it is that you have for me today in your word. What does that mean? What are you trying to say? And that's how your relationship builds. So you got to the place where you knew he was a good dad, but it got to the point that God was like, okay, you need to just tell me how you feel because I know it anyway. Right. Sometimes as Christians, we hide it. We pretend that we're okay. Yeah. And God's sitting there like, well, I can't do the work that I want to do in your life if you keep pretending that you're okay. Until you can lay that aside yeah. and come to me and say, I am angry. I'm hurt. I'm sad. He can be like, sure, I was waiting because now I want you to know me. I know you. I want you to know me. Right. The Bible says we worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Right. You got to come to him in truth. If you're hurting, you got to say it. You got to say it. Not and saying I, you're going to be right, <laughs> but you still got to say okay. it. But that's okay. That's relationship. You have to say how you're feeling because he knows it anyway. Why bother hiding it? I try to maybe heal a relationship and always going to that person because, you know, I got to make it right. And just the door was always closed. Later on in my life, walking in freedom from that, I'm able to turn around and say, I'm so glad that I couldn't restore that on my own because that means I went to the Lord and I told him where I was hurt and where I was angry. And in that, I get to walk in freedom now because he's walked me through all that. Just yeah. like you, what you're talking about with your daughter, you had to get real and then God 
God walked you through it. And that experience kind of was like life-changing. So you did mention, I couldn't always read scripture and memorize it. And I had actually met a pastor, our pastor's father. He would come and he would rattle off scripture. I'm like, how does he know this stuff? I couldn't get through one chapter without going, what did I just read? I don't know. And I just said, Lord, I really want to know your word. And then after that, I could read and then I could retain it. I could start to understand it a little bit better. These verses would just keep bubbling up. Oh, I know where that is. It's, you know, it's, yeah. all, it's on the left side of my Bible halfway down. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Now, when I pray and I'm asking, God will give me a scripture, but it's not the address in the whole scripture. It's two or three words. I know what it is and I can go find it and look it up. God's only given me a scripture reference. Like, usually I just know, oh, okay, that's the scripture, or I can know enough to at least Google it, right? Right. Yeah, that's pretty much me. God, one time, I remember when I was asked to be an elder at the church. I got the call, like, hey, you know, there was like a process. I don't call it voting because it wasn't voting, but like, hey, people nominated you. Would you consider being an elder? And my initial reaction is, well, A, I need to pray about it because I did not want to accept if it was for me. Okay. Right. I didn't want to be like, sure, I'll, yeah. right. This like, makes me feel good. I'll take this on as my identity. Right. I, I now exactly. get to, right, exactly. And I was like, I got to pray about this. I went to sleep that night and I was like, Lord, if this is where you want me, I'll happily serve in that spot. If it's not, if it's going to be about me, close the door. Mm -hmm. And I went to sleep. And in the, do you remember the old Windows screensavers would be like a 3D word that would spin and all that? It was like that. And all it said was Acts 2017. It's Acts 2017. So I had to open up my Bible and I flipped to it. And literally it's about the disciples. And it says, and they left to go see the elders of the church. That's all it said. (laughs) I went, I guess I should say I yes. guess that's a yes. Yeah. That was the only time I actually got the scripture reference, not the, the words. Well, that was a good time to do that. Yeah. Can you explain to us how we can find our identity in Christ? I won't say it's a science because it's not. Spending time in prayer, not just listing out your complaints, really just spending time in the presence of the Lord, letting him speak to you because he will speak to you. It may not be audibly, but get in the word, pour over those scriptures, right? There's so many of them. Galatians 4, 6, I think, Romans 8, 15, where it talks about crying out, Abba, Father, that you were brought in as a son. You were an heir to the kingdom. You truly are a son. Look at the ministry of Jesus, right? He said he came to reveal the Father. Yes, he came to die on the cross, all that stuff which is absolutely necessary. At the end of the day, came to reveal the Father and start seeing all of those things. I love to read the Bible reading plan, but I love chronological order. Once I started doing that, so many little pieces that didn't make sense fell into place. I could see in Genesis where a promise is made, where it actually comes to pass in, you know, Kings or something like that. And you start to read chronologically through from the very beginning, from Genesis, all the places where his grace was there. Whereas like if you just take it in snippets or if you grew up in certain denominations or Sunday school, you're like, oh, that's that was punishment. And there's all this kind of stuff, which there was judgment. Right. But when you really start to peel back, I'll give you in Genesis when Adam and Eve, they eat the forbidden fruit, they're removed from the garden. There are definitely consequences for the actions. They were, he was told, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Right. Consequence. But when you actually look at, and I think it's in Genesis 3 or something, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are talking, right? And God says, look at them. They're like us. They've eaten the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now they're like us. And it said, so that they don't eat of the tree of life, we must remove them from the garden. Now, why is that? Because if they eat the tree of life, they will eternally live in a broken state from the Father. Mm. There's no redemption for them. I must remove them from the garden. For their protection. For their protection. Yeah. But we read it as, you messed up, you're out. And I'm sure there was, like, again, consequences for the actions. I'm not saying that there wasn't. Well, I know childbearing (laughs) is a consequence. Thank you very much. We all know that. But it does say, 
so that they don't eat of the tree of life, we may need to remove them. And he already promised, right? The seed of a woman will crush the head. And like, yeah. so he knew there had to be a savior, right. mm-hmm. from the foundation of the world. So he knew. He knew it all. Yeah. So I would say spend time with the Lord, get in the word, read those scriptures, right? Especially the epistles, especially the apostle Paul, because he wrote the New Testament, where he's telling you, this is the Christian life. This is what it means to be a son and a daughter. This is what it is to be a follower of Christ. And look at that like a mirror. And you go, that doesn't look like me. Well, it's supposed to. That's what you truly look like. And if it doesn't look like that, something needs to change. And take that to the father. Like, hey, I'm struggling in this area. I got this thing going on. Because that is who you truly are, not what you're aspiring to be. I'm going to share a little story because you talked about a mirror. And so you're talking about mirroring the apostles on how you are, right? Is that what you're saying? Right. It'll talk about you're an heir, you're a son. This is how a son is, mm-hmm. right? Th- this is the characteristics of a son, of a child, of a Christ follower. And that's who you truly are. Yeah. And if not, it's kind of like when you, it says, right, you look in the mirror and you find a hair out of place and you walk away and don't straighten the hair. Right? The mirror is telling you this is what you look like, not this is what you're falling short at. And that brings me to something that happened to me. I'm sure you know the story because you read my book. I did read your book. You did. You did. (laughs) It's the mirror story. We don't see ourselves as God sees us. We see ourselves kind of with the messiness of the world and what we have taken on that wasn't meant for us. And I remember the Lord speaking to me. I was praying about my daughter because she had come to me and said that she felt like she was ugly. Mm And it crushed, I'm sure if your daughter ever said that to you, you would be like, where did that come from? And I remember praying to the Lord about that. And he said to me, well, now you know how I feel. And I was like, what are you talking about? She sees herself the way that you see yourself. And I feel the same way you do about your daughter when you say that about yourself. And he said to me, I want you to go upstairs. I want you to look at yourself in the mirror. So I go on upstairs and I'm looking in the mirror. And in that moment, scales fell from my eyes and I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I didn't see all that stuff anymore. I just saw straight into the Holy Spirit in me and he was beautiful. Mm. So that's who I am. I am a beautiful child of the King. And all of that ugliness that I kept seeing myself in that mirror, I'd look at myself and I would just see the ugliness of the world or what people said or what people did. And so God needed to change in my perspective of that's not who I see. So I needed to start receiving that and then reflecting who it was that God saw me. So when you're reading those scriptures and you're supposed to be like this, so you're reflecting who God created you to be. I just think about the world and what we take on that was never intended. Right. My parents, you know, they weren't perfect, but they were continue to be because they're both still living. Amazing in the the way they would raise me, they would set an expectation. And if I didn't meet that expectation, let's say I did something that was just clearly not okay. Right. Like my mom would be like, I know my son didn't do that. Okay. okay. You know, and it would be like, oh, yeah. that's not my son because the that's son not the I way raised. I... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was enough. You didn't have to spank Same. me. You didn't have to punish me. I was broken. I'm like, I just want to be, you know, I, I want to know this is how you see me. And I've, I've fallen wow. down a peg. You know what wow. I mean? Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, so I grew up in South Jersey. I grew up like, outside of Camden, like I said, a small town, but my dad was a state trooper. So people knew that. I knew people that sold drugs. I knew people that died. Never done drugs in my life. I know people have their own journeys. I'm saying, never did that. I've never gotten arrested. And I know that's like, you're not supposed to, but it was. But living where you live, it's more of not normal to not get arrested. I mean, it was just what was done. You just got in with the wrong crowd. Right. I had friends that, you know, did, but I, I was always on the outside of that. And that's a protection from the Lord. Yeah. 
That's 100% but, but it started protection with, from the Lord. You know, I never, my dad was a state trooper. I never wanted to come home in handcuffs. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. Right? It's not going to happen. Right. So yeah, that identity was something that was instilled in me kind of from my earthly parent. This is who you are. You know, you're a good kid. You're going to do great things. You're like, we're, they were definitely supportive in that area. I mean, going to the Naval Academy from like a small town in Magnolia, that was huge. Yeah. And had their full support all through it, which is not a lot of people graduate from there. Just because you get in doesn't mean you stay in. Right. What a blessing. You really did have a really blessed life. You did. I did. You know, great support system, growing up, knowing the Lord. And yet you still got to a place where you had to say, okay, who is God? Yeah. And unpack all that. And that's what it is about our relationship with the Lord. Like it's not your mom's, it's not your dad's, it's your relationship with God. And our kids will have to get to that same point as well. Yeah, there's no grandchildren in the kingdom, right? There's not. In your ministry in the church, you are the prayer... Director for the for one of the campuses. Director, yeah. pr- prayer director. Now, tell me about how that ties into your identity or does it not? Tell me about that. Everything I've ever done at my home church has been, I'm just willing to serve. Like I started off on setup team and then at some point I was an usher. I used to do like the, the PowerPoint, I, I, whatever I was asked to do. I was a youth leader. I used to do the stewardship ministry. Usually what ended up happening is, you know, we were involved and then someone said, hey, can you lead that? Yeah. Sure. When I got asked to be an elder, at the time, I think only the elders were really the prayer team. We were led by someone. Like someone would be like, hey, you're going to be there this Saturday. As the church grew, we got more campuses. You kind of needed a little bit more structure. Structure was probably the best word. So then there was like a prayer director and I was on the prayer team. It's kind of part of my natural inclination to go pray for people. Like whether I'm on the prayer team or not. You're going to pray anyway. I'm going to pray for you. I mean, if you say, hey, Tim, can you pray? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Let's yeah. do it now. Why wait till Sunday, right? Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. So it was kind of this natural, Lord, if you want me to go pray for someone, I'll pray for someone. I think as that became a lot more of a, oh, if you need prayer, Tim will pray for you. Then it was like, hey, you know, can you lead this ministry? Okay. Just being open to what the Lord. Yeah. Well, if that's where you want me, Lord, I'll, I'll lead. And it's really, at least I tried to kind of like lead by the example, right? Like, you know, there's the scheduling and the structure, but really it's let's go out and pray. If somebody mm-hmm. asks you to pray, pray. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. It can be out while you're shopping. Did you find any challenges in figuring out your identity in Christ? I think you shared a little bit once about how people would come to you a lot for prayer and you were kind of like, well, you need to learn to do that for yourself too. People may be looking towards you and not looking towards the Lord. Right. Performance, right? Right. Performance Christianity. Exactly. So I think that's, um, it's a constant thing I try to stay aware of. What I mean by that is I'm not the savior. I like to say I'm just the donkey that Jesus rides on, right? I'll pray for you. I'm a conduit. I'm just a willing vessel. Not to let that define me. Right. You know, like I lead a small group. Our church does small groups in semesters and I lead one on healing and I don't want to be defined by that. I mean, I love that. I love Mm -hmm. teaching. I love people coming into awareness of God. And a lot of the times the identity is really what we get into, even though we're talking about a specific topic, but I don't want to be defined by it. And I don't want to feel that that's who I am. Right. Right. Because I get to pray for so many people just by being the prayer director, just on the prayer team, or I see people get breakthroughs, whether it's healing, whether it's marriages coming together, getting the job, whatever it is. But for me, I don't keep a count. Like I teach a, a small group on healing. I don't count. Oh, that's that's 1,000 people I've seen. I, like 
Right. Because I don't want to ever have it be about my scorecard. Right. I don't want it to ever be about look. What Tim's all, our healer. No, God is your healer. Right. I will pray. I all am day. just praying for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, God like called me to pray. It's His Holy Spirit that's going to touch you. I am just praying. <laughs> I'm just hundred percent. There's always that. You know, look at me. Right. I try to remain conscious of that. And if I ever feel like I'm getting pulled into the Tim show, I step away. Okay, that's pretty good. Because this is service. You know, I'm, I'm glorifying him. If you want me there, great. I hold it loosely. Which is healthy. You asked me to join the prayer team and you do get people, you get comfortable with them. And I love that. Not as an identity, but as a relationship, the follow-up or saying, here, here's my number. Give me a call. That's what I like about the prayer team. I'll get to see these people again and double check on them. Oh, yeah. I love doing that. I just always want to make sure that they know that, you know, the answers to the prayer is Jesus, not me. Right. Right. But yeah, I love following up. How are you feeling? How's that going? And I love hearing the testimonies. Right. I love yes. testimonies. I will share testimonies all day, but it's always what he did. What is the Lord teaching or speaking to you personally about your identity in Christ? And what does that look like? It's an ongoing conversation. I feel like there's this, when I first really started to like kind of lean in and understanding who the Lord was and identity, it was like, how much more can I know like theologically? Like what does that, what does the scripture say? I'm never going to say that's not important. That's right. 100%. But now I'm kind of in the season of learning to rest, not stop, but rest, right? I don't have to figure out the exact scripture to stand on because I know who you are. I don't need to make sure X, Y, and Z and learning to just be in a place of rest, not performance, not stopping, but just quiet trust. I'm leading the group case for healing that I took with you and game changer. I know it was interesting because I felt like the Lord put it on my heart to buy anointing oil and did anoint and pray for some people. But it was so funny because later that night, I felt like the Lord said to me, this is for you. You are going to anoint yourself because I had whiplash Mm -hmm. and I have some other stuff. And I felt like he was like, I want you to anoint yourself every night and every morning. Remember when Jesus did his first miracle, it was at the wedding and they ran out of wine. Mm -hmm. And Mary said to Jesus, oh, we ran out of wine. He says, it's not my time. And she just turned around and she looked at his disciples and said, just do what he tells you to do. And she walked away. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, just rest and believe Jesus is going to do what he's going to do. And he's going to heal you. You don't need to cry. You don't need to beg. You don't need to do any of that. You just anoint yourself with oil on your neck and your chest. And you say, Lord, I just receive your healing in Jesus' name, period. Just like his mom said, just do what he tells you to do. What does Jesus tell us to do? To believe. To believe in our healing. Yeah, 100%. As I'm resting and listening, once part of, you know, my journey is is understanding not just how you hear God, but how I hear God, right? Because we all hear him differently. Right. Some people see, some people hear an audible, feel, like all that kind of stuff, right? And I don't think it's one for one for everybody, but there's probably a predominant one. And as I rest, knowing what my predominant way of hearing the Lord is, he's speaking all the time. Really? Right. Okay. Perfect example. This happened yesterday, the day before. Like I said, in the process of moving. So we moved from Dudley to Sutton. We have boxes everywhere. Unpack the necessities because we're still trying to clean out the other house. Well, there's a game. I think it's called Spot It. It's a kid's game. It's like these little cards that you have to find the matching card or the matching shape on the card. And it's like count the cards. At some point in the moving out, that game got packed up somewhere. And now it's in a box. 
And for the last two or three days, we've been trying to find this game because my daughter was like, I want to play this one. Like, okay. It's like our thing. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, we play a game with me, right? So trying to find this game. We're looking. It's got to be where all the toys are. It's got to be where all the games are. Yeah. All that stuff's been unpacked. There's still some other stuff. It's been like two or three days of looking for this thing. And, you know, my daughter's like, I want to play the game. So I said, why don't we ask Holy Spirit where it is, right? My wife and I have done that before. We've seen like things like, oh, yeah. We just prayed for that. Now it's in the middle of the floor. Oh, where did yeah. that come from? Yeah. So she says, Holy Spirit, please show us where it is. And I said, all right, Holy Spirit, where it is? And instantly I got an image of a, like a Tupperware bin. And we got Tupperware bins all over the house. Right. I think I it's in the basement. Yeah. So literally went down the basement, looked in one. Some of them, I'm like, I could have sworn we already looked in here. And there it was. Yes. Yes. But it's that, it took that long. Yes. And if I, if I wasn't paying attention, I would have missed it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, huh. You know what it is? Believing and knowing that you have a relationship with the Lord and believing and knowing that he's going to answer you, believing and knowing that you're just going to have a conversation like me and you are having a conversation right now. Because yeah. that's really what it's all about. Yeah. And that's he, what I strive for. He's there. You have a relationship with him. You talk to him. He's going to answer you. It's not weird. It's not weird at all. It's me and you can have a conversation. He created us. Right. Of course we can have a conversation with him. That's my heart's cry. Yeah. To be able to talk to the Lord and have a real conversation, mm-hmm. more real than sitting here with you. Oh, yeah. I love that. I feel like I have that. I feel like stronger sometimes than others. Your life trajectory. Some days you're just talking to God, talking to God, talking to God. And some days it's just different. But Right. But I would argue it's probably on my end of the equation when I'm not. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Right? Because because you're not paying attention or you're not right. asking him or you're trying to figure it out yourself. Everything it's, gets in the way. Right. Yeah. I had done a woman's conference and the pastor's wife who ran the conference, we had to speak on this one scripture. So I want to read it. It's in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith and the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we had needed to use that scripture in our breakout sessions. And when I was praying about that, on what I was going to say in that breakout session and who I was in Christ, because that's what the scripture is all about. And I remember praying, Lord, who am I in Christ? How am I supposed to do this breakout session on who I am in Christ? I don't even know who I am. Like, who am I? And literally, there was a study book on the side of my bedside table. And he said, you will know who you are in me when you first know who I am. And it's so interesting because that's what you were saying when you started digging in the word, finding out who God is. It's like, that's where we find our identity. We find our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. When we can figure out who he is, then we know who we are. I think sometimes we have a lot more faith in what Adam did in the garden than what Jesus did on the cross. We're almost waiting for the next shoe to drop. Like, no, we need to step out in resurrection power. We want to step away and start moving in the stuff. And I call it taking over the family business, but we want to just kind of keep one hand real close to the cross, which the cross is central. Yeah. But we're not supposed to stay as a sinner that's mm. barely saved. We're supposed to walk right. out in power as right. a child of the king. Yeah. You know, like I think of my, use my daughter again. When I'm on a conference call at work and if I'm working from home, which is rare these days, I could be on a call and she could come over and go, dad, everything stops. Hold on a second. My daughter needs me. And she was like, hi, dad. Can I have a hug? You know, that's all <laughs> she wanted. But guess what was the most important thing in that moment? Giving her that hug. Giving that hug. Right. Yeah. And I think... Oftentimes we just want to be like, okay, this is what happened and this is where I'm at, but one mess up, one issue, and I'm out. No, you're you're a child of the king. You're supposed to take over the family business, so walk from that place into power, into destiny, into victory, right? We go from victory. Yes. 
moving forward and what God called you to do. Right. No fear, no hold back, totally trusting in God that he's with you and he's calling you forth and you're not doing it alone. And in his power, in his might, whether you're praying for healing in your workplace. It's all his grace and it's all our inheritance, right? Like, so whether it's healing, whether it's a promotion at work, it all comes from that same bucket that he's doling out. Because of his grace, you were healed. Because of his grace, you're promoted. Because of his grace, your your marriage is healed. Because of him. Right. It's not he does these things. It's it's all who he is. And I think our children really show us that, right? It's like, man, when I look at my daughter, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. There's nothing that she would need that I would be like, eh, you didn't do your homework tonight. Yeah, tonight. not yeah, today. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm not going to let you starve. If you're sick, I want you well. You know, like, I want right. you to be successful. I want to cheer you on. I want to see you go off and do great things. That's who God is for us. And it's grabbing hold of that. Because he's a good dad. Because he's a good dad. That's right. How has the Lord prepared you to be able to minister to others specifically about their identity? One of the things I try to do is see others as God sees them. When I used to pray for people, and it's again, as I grow and listen and trust, someone comes up for prayer and let's say they have a limp. I'm like, oh, I know what we're praying for. Like, that may not be it. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. I try to take that moment. Holy Spirit, what are you saying about this person? What are you seeing in them? And one of the things I pray over someone probably more often than not, and it's not because, oh, this is this is my standard prayer. It's I'm trying to hear how the Lord sees them because I know how he sees me. And sometimes that's all they need to hear is that he sees you. He's not far off. He's not vaguely aware that you exist. He's not needs to get caught up to speed on your issue. He's intimately involved in the details. So receive, right? So a lot of times I pray for people to have a fresh revelation of being a daughter, being a son, right? And that starts to free up like, oh my gosh, he does love me. He does care for me. And this issue I have, although it could be hard, could be, like I said, sometimes there's consequences for our actions. And sometimes those consequences have nothing to do with the kingdom. It's worldly consequences. So there's a lot of times that when I get to pray for someone, the Lord's like, remind them who they are. Remind them that they are my child. Of course, I'm going to make sure you're provided for. You may not be praying to be the the CEO of Amazon. I can't, (laughs) I don't know if that's in God's. (laughs) I don't know if that's in as well. I have no idea. Right. Could be. But I mean, I know he wants you taken care of. Right. I know he has more riches than I can ever imagine. I know that there might be things you have to navigate through, but he's going to be there with you and moving. And in that, whether you get that promotion or not, you're still seated and grounded and who you are in Christ. What could you share that would encourage others to be able to move forward in the calling that God has on their lives? You talked a lot about him being a really, really good dad. And I would encourage all of you to lean into that, to see how he sees you. Go through the word, realize that your experience on earth with maybe one of your parents wasn't in the home or maybe they were abusive or whatever, that God is a really, really good dad and he already sees you as a son or a daughter. And if you have him, then all things are possible. And to rest in who he's created you to be and who you are and let the past be the past and let him like receive, receive from him, even if you don't, none of us deserve it. (laughs) None of us deserve it. Right. And that's why it's a free gift. Right. Because we don't, there's nothing we can do to deserve it. It's just receiving, receiving him. Yeah. I think probably one of the biggest blockers to breakthrough is that belief that you don't uh, deserve it, that you can't receive it because he doesn't see you that way. We can allow him to minister to us from a place of relationship, not a place of performance. That starts to change everything. may not happen overnight, but when you start to see yourself how he sees you, a lot of things start to move. It's like Matthew and Mary, which one are you? (laughs) Are you rushing around doing stuff or are you sitting at the feet of Jesus? 
Because that's where you're healing and you're understanding for who he is, and then you can move forward. Absolutely. Tell us some personal stories about what you have seen the Lord do through you to bring others to the understanding of who they are in Christ. The Lord has done so many things in that area of identity and who people are. You know, I have a friend that I've known over 25 years. We went to college together and we would sit at night out on the campus and I would call it debate theology. If there's a God, then why this? And if he's loving, why this? And all this kind of stuff. And you would ask him those questions? No, he would ask me those questions. Oh, okay. Okay. So he didn't know the Lord. He definitely had a history. I think he was raised in the church, but saw a lot of hypocrisy, you know, all that kind of stuff, like sunburnt, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So we would debate. And again, you know, in my journey, it wasn't like I could be like, open up this scripture and do all this kind of stuff. But we would have these, there were healthy debates, but it would be like, if there's a God and what about this and all that kind of stuff. And for years, we would just talk. And he would ask questions, and I would do my best to answer. I I like to think I was unwavering. This is who God is. This is how he sees you. Years would go by, and we'd come back together, and we'd talk, and he'd have issues and questions, and we would just kind of do life together. He was one of the people I called when we got the diagnosis about my daughter. Hey, you know, and I said, here's the deal. And he was just like, what are you going to do? I'm like, go and pray. We were both in the military, so we kind of, you know, our relationship Mm -hmm. would, you know, there'd be months I didn't talk. Ebb and flow. Ebb and flow, but we always would start off right where we left off. He's that kind of friend. He had gone through some stuff and, you know, like I said, we we were doing life together for years. I remember he called and said, will you pray about this situation? And I'm like, of course I'll pray. And we pray. And then after some things settled down, I said, why'd you call me to pray? And he Mm -hmm. was like, well, if this God that you say loves me, I know you can talk to him. And that started us on this more intimate journey. Again, it's been 25 years of going deep and hard questions, but it was like, I I need to know more. It was more that he was ready and he was open and wasn't just arguing. Right. It was like, I really do want to understand. Yeah. So our conversations went from debate to now I have questions to understand. And I I like to say, I never threw a Bible at him. I never like just threw screen, just figure it out. It was more like, Hey, wherever you are, we're going to talk about this stuff. Yeah. No question was dumb. No question was stupid. And call him from the time I left work, and it was about an hour and a half drive, and we would talk for an hour and a half just about scriptures and Bible and what about this thing and how do you pray for somebody? And, and I would share testimonies. I was teaching a small group on healing, and this thing happened. I saw cancer get hit. Like, that's all yeah. leg grow up. And he's just like, I know you. We've been doing life together for 25 years. I know you're not making this stuff up, right, but I can't. Exactly. Where do I put this? To make a long story short, we started talking specifically to talk about these things and try to answer questions or give him references or give him, you know, listen to this sermon, read this book, read this scripture. Just last year, I got to baptize him. Wow. I, he called and said, I'm getting baptized and you're going to do it. And I was like, what an honor. Right? He's one of the names on the brick I told you about. He was one of the names. That's so powerful. Um, and then this past however many months or year, we did the chronological Bible reading plan together. And we, what do you think about this? And all that kind of stuff. It's important to have those relationships yeah. in Christ that you can have honest conversations, leading each other closer to the Lord and asking those tough questions. What do you say when people say to you, well, why does God let this happen? If he's such a good dad and he's such a good father, well, then why would he allow this? I think allow, make, all those kind of things are, in my view, somewhat of a bad theology. When you go all the way back to the beginning, God said, you're in charge. I give this to you. And he never took it back. And there's things that happen outside of God's will, right? Anytime you have free will, there will inevitably be things that happen outside of his will. I think there are things that happen in this world because it's broken, it's fallen, it's sinful. There are things that happen because there's consequences for our actions, reaping and sowing, all that. I think there are also things that 
if we were listening, and this is not a shame or blame, so please don't hear that, but if we were listening, take an example where something tragic happened. Somebody shoots up a school. If you look at some of the people that were interviewed, people are like, I had a feeling I was supposed to do something. There are times where like, I was supposed to call that person. Mm-hmm. And like I tell people, have you ever had somebody get laid on your heart and God says, hey, will you call that person? I'm not saying you're about to do something tragic like that. Right. But I've started over the last probably 10 years, whenever I get that impression, I haven't thought of that person in five years. Let me just text him. 90% of the time, the person responds, oh my gosh, you have no idea what I was going through. Thank you for reaching out. I believe God's constantly going, reach out to that person, talk to that person. And sometimes we're like, I'll do it later. I'll get to it some other time. Oh, that was probably just my imagination. Or it was bad pizza. But I think God is saying, we are co-laboring in this thing. I need you to be my hands and feet. Yeah. And when I speak to you, just move forward in faith. Right. Because here's the thing. I do believe God is intervening. I do believe he is moving. And it's kind of like we want God to intervene to stop all the bad things. The other side of that coin is we don't want him to intervene. We want to do what we want to do. Don't take away my free will. Just stop all the bad things that happen. So let me live my life the way I want to live it apart from you. Yes, I love you, but I'm just going to do it my way. But you need to bless all that. Right. You can't have both. Right. He's always good. He's always just. Right? He's not going to violate his word to make you feel better. I have junk. Everybody has junk. There's things I'm walking through. Like, as you know, we continue to stand in faith for my daughter to be completely healed. But I would never say that was God. Right. But sure. do you want to share a quick little thing about your daughter so sure. they'll understand sure. what you mean by what you just said? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm talking <laughs> like everybody knows. In the womb, when my wife was pregnant with our daughter, we got a laundry list of birth defects to the point where they were like, this is non-viable. There's no hope. You need to try again. And we had literally just taken the case for healing. And we were still new, like, what does all this mean? We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And over the course of that pregnancy, we saw a lot of things get miraculously healed, her brain, her heart. But she was born with some challenges. Like spina bifida was probably one of the predominant things that we saw get way better than it was. The spinal cord was floating around the amniotic fluid. Like it was just an open defect. But by the time she was born, it was completely skin covered, stuff like that. Bladder, some other things. Right now, she's 11. She's in sixth grade. She plays violin. She does show choir, but she uses a wheelchair for now. We just had this conversation. You are saying God is such a good God. He's amazing. He's such a great dad. And now you have a challenge that you're going through, Mm -hmm. but you still believe that he's a good God. We easily blame God. Why would God let that happen to Ellie? Why does God let that happen? How would you answer that? If I had all the answers... I probably wouldn't be walking through some of the things I walk. But what I know is, I know his heart, I know his love, and I know that this world and these challenges, the reason I can say I know it's not his will, because I've already seen him move in her life. Mm -hmm. She's not even, technically, she's not supposed to be here. I continue to see miracles from the toe wiggle to the ankle flex to the leg that raises to all these amazing things. I know that what Jesus did at the cross, you know, you go back to Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. That's done. It's stamped approved. It's not a matter of if. It's when. It's when. And if God is the God of right now, today's a perfect day for a miracle. So whether I see it in my lifetime, which I am fully believing for, or when we all get to heaven, because I know for a fact there's no wheelchairs in heaven, Amen. then it's only a matter of time. And I can either spend the time worrying, fearful, angry, or spend the time praying, hopeful, leaning in the relationship. I've seen too much to think it'll never happen, but I know him. I know he's good. 
And I don't mean some weird good that sometimes means he's not that good. No, I mean, right. he's good. <laughs> like, right, right. So you look at your daughter and you say, praise God, look at the things she can do. It's being able to lean into God and have him help you walk through it. We have a choice to rest in the Lord. I have my challenges. I have my struggles. I have my frustrations, all that kind of thing. But I would say we can't let our experience dictate if the word is true. We have to let the truth of the word change our experience to line up. Amen. That's a good word. Do you have any scriptures that the Lord has used to encourage you that you want to share? Galatians 4, 6 talks about identity, talks about crying out, Abba, Father. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And then Romans 8. 15 and 16 is kind of an echo of that. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but to receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, then we may also be glorified together. Yeah, and my understanding that word Abba is like saying daddy, Mm -hmm. right? It's that heart cry. And just to think about that and to think about that's what's available. That's what he wants. He wants that intimate relationship where you can truly say, that's my daddy. That's my dad. Like, what can't you do if child of the God of the universe? (laughs) Exactly. Yep. What can't you do? Amen. Is there anything that you've listened to or that you read that can also be a tool that people can pick up if they're struggling with their identity in Christ? Yeah, one or two actually from Bill Johnson. One is called When Heaven Invades Earth, and then the other is Hosting the Presence. Both of them have similar themes, but it's about that presence of God with you, not the far off God, but hosting Mm -hmm. his presence. I think it's in John's account of the baptism. Most of the gospels talk about, you know, that the heavens were parted and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and then audible voices is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. But I believe it's in John where it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and remained. So it's this image of the Holy Spirit like a dove staying there. And one of the things that he talks about in hosting the presence is if you had a dove sitting on your shoulder, how would you move, right? Like most people say very carefully because you don't want it to fly away. Right. But he says that's a good answer, but a better answer is you would move every step with the dove in mind. Okay. Right. So as we move, remembering that he's always with you, it's a lot different than, oh, I got to go find him or I got to get him to come to me. Well, like he's, he's in this room with us right now. Right. Are we aware of that? We even think of it in that terms. Right. Because right. the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And the Bible said it dwells within us. Right. So we're walking every day with him. Oh, yeah. And I try to remain aware at all times. I try to bring my consciousness back to that. You He's know. with me. You know, you start thinking about like Peter's shadow, how it healed people. Yes. Well, his shadow has no substance, but what he did have was the Holy Spirit. Was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And people recognize it on himself. I could just get close enough. It makes me think about the guests we had last time, and she was saying that she received the Holy Spirit, and people were saying, wow, you're really glowing. Yeah, I saw her. You're really glowing. That is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, that people can see that in you and through you. I was out at a, um, a school event on the West Coast. It was during a time of worship, and people worshiping and praising. When I really get in that spot where I'm, where I'm worshiping, not just, I'm, I'm almost not even aware that there's music being played. Mm-hmm. I am just like- Focused right? on the Lord. I actually get pretty still and pretty quiet. I had been walking up and down the aisles, just kind of pacing as I worship. And I kind of paused and I was just there, just me and the Lord. And I felt this thing kind of drop in my spirit, like, hey, what about Peter's shadow? 
that's kind of how it came to me. Like, okay, what about Peter Shadow? That'd be cool. Be able to walk around and people get like healed. Yeah. And right when I had that thought, there was a woman who I don't know, probably about as far as away from me as as I am from you, but we were both facing the platform. She turned, she walks up to me and she says, I don't know if you were praying for me, but when you got here, I felt something come off of me. And I looked at her and I was like, okay. And she just hugged me and just started crying. And I was like, that's the present. I don't, I don't even have to pray for you. (laughs) Right. Right. It was just the Lord. It's just the presence. So powerful. Thank you, Tim, for being here and sharing all those testimonies. So powerful. We're going to end in prayer. I don't know if you want to start out or I'll start out, but just pray for our listeners. I would love to start. You go ahead. So, Father, I just I thank you for this time together, and I it is glorifying and edifying. And, Lord, I just ask that the listeners and, and those that we come across every day would just have a fresh revelation of what it means to be a son and a daughter of, of the King, that you are always with them, that you see them, that you love them, and you want them to come home and that you will always be there for them because you're a really, really good dad. So Lord, I just release that over these listeners. I ask for that revelation for them and a tangible manifestation of your love and of your presence. I want to thank our listeners for joining the conversation today. Praying the Lord spoke to each and every one of you and believing we can move forward together and shine as bright lights in our communities. For more information about today's guest, please be sure to go to the episode show notes. If you found this podcast engaging and encouraging, please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing these episodes with your friends and family. It's the best way to help the Morningstar Bright Lights community grow together as we share our experiences and insights for reaching New England and the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. If you or someone you know is shining the light of Christ and feels led to share what the Lord is doing and has done in and through your life, we would love to hear about it. Please go to podcast at morningstarbookstore.com and leave us a message. Visit our Morningstar Bookstore locations and discover our wide selection of Christian books, Bibles, and gifts. Also visit our website at morningstarbookstore.com for more selections and direct-to-home shipping. On behalf of the entire team at Morningstar Christian Bookstore, thanks for joining the conversation.